so much fun. You know, um, during worship, that one of these, um, a thought just kept coming to me, um, and it relates to what we're going to talk about this morning, but um, the thought was, it really is a tragedy um, that in the church, we have like, we have um, written off or set aside um, the active power of God to like certain denominations of his family or something. That his his charisma, his active power, we've like written it off that like unless you're unless you're in one of the really charismatic denominations, then it's kinda like, well, it doesn't belong here. And it's really tragic. And we're in a series on anointing and we're just gonna talk about that this morning. I just feel like I was supposed to start with that thought. Um, okay, now will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this time, and, and um, as was already prayed, we ask that you have your way right now. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. We ask you to speak, to transform us. I thank you, Jesus, that you are making a bride who can carry a greater weight of your glory. I thank you that you have counted us among those who are going to be prepared for what's coming. And what you're pouring out. I thank you for the promised harvest that you have coming. We want to praise you in advance. We want to praise you in the assurance. You're bringing a harvest and we want to we praise you for that. We say yes. We look forward to it. And keep, keep making us the people that are ready for that when you move. We thank you for your movement this morning. Amen. Amen. I'm, uh, I'm struggling with my, my voice. I'm going to keep drinking this water. You have to bear with me. So many good things to say this morning. At least I think they're good, and that's really what matters. Um, <laughs> um, you know, God is ever preparing his bride. Did you catch that? That's the theme in here. <laughs> it's the whole story. He's he's coming back, right? Anybody believe that? Yes. He's coming back to set everything right. In the meantime, what's he up to? He's up to preparing his bride so that she's she's perfect and ready for the marriage supper of the lamb. There there is an assignment, there's a commission on the bride and everything that he's doing. Um, and I should say this, just for listeners out there. Do you know I heard this morning, now I'm rabbit trailing already. I'm gonna look up this text I think here we go 17 countries not including the US do you know that we're that we're reaching 17 countries with the word of God from this place not including the US <laughs> and that's why sometimes I say to you guys um, I, I stop and I do that that's what I know you guys are good and you you Many of you know, or most of you know, half the things I'm saying, but I realize we've got listeners out there that who knows what, and so that's why sometimes I stop and do those clarifications. But the bride, the bride is the church of Jesus Christ, for anyone who doesn't realize what we're talking about when we say that. Um, now, I want to say, I want to start by posing a question, because we're, we're going places today. We're going crazy places and it's rhetorical, okay? I just want you to, to receive this for a minute. Why do you think the Word of God has such an emphasis on the battle between flesh and spirit? It is the battle, isn't it? You guys can't do a rhetorical question, can you? <laughs> You're too good. You actually know the answers. <laughs> I want you to go to Exodus 33. We're, we're actually going to be, today before we're done, we're going to be in the, the book of Ephesians, but um, we're going to warm up with Moses first. Um, Exodus 33, I'm going to start right in verse 1, and we're going to begin to talk about how God prepares a bride, how God is preparing his chosen people to be the glory holders, okay? That's, um, that's this message on anointing. We were made to carry the kingdom of God. We are the temple of God. We are the witness 
of God, and that was supposed to be um, with the authority of the courts of heaven, and we're going to talk in a minute also with power. Now, you guys know that, but um, let's start reading here. Exodus 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt. Okay, so in other words, out of bondage, those people. Anybody out of bondage? <laughs> I couldn't believe the, the choices today. It's unbelievable. Brought up out of Egypt. To the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. Okay, so we have promise here. Do you know, um, the Old Testament is the shadow of your current spiritual reality, okay? So you're reading your, your story here. You're out of bondage, and you also have promise. You're also going somewhere he's taking you. And now listen to this. This is, this is really the reason we're reading this, what comes next. Verse 2, and I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. What's that? He's going to send the angel before and he's going to drive out what? What's he driving out? The enemies, okay? And let's actually be more specific. He's going to drive out those things, okay, make this personal, those things that occupy the land that you need for the glory of God. Land that is supposed to be for the anointing, the presence, the kingdom. He's going to drive out what's occupying those places. Amen? That's your story. That's true about you too. But now, watch this. What does he say? He says, I'll send my angel before you, and he's going to do that. Okay? Watch this, though. It gets really, really peculiar. Verse 3 says, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. Anybody want to go? Okay. And listen, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. That's code for stubborn butt. (laughs) And verse 4, and when the people heard this bad news, they mourned. Now I want to ask you something. I want to put this out there. If you were praying, if you were sensing a destiny on your life, anybody sensing that? Kingdom destiny? Okay? If you don't, we'll pray for you. Because every one of you has kingdom destiny spoken on your life. Um, if you were praying about that, wanting to come into the plans of the Lord, and the Lord said to you, I'll send my angel before you, and I'll drive out everything that's occupying the territory that's for my glory, would you think that is such awesome news? Right? You'd go, cool. I mean, that sounds effective. <laughs> the Lord made a plan to get everything out of the way. We're going, we're going right into the promise. And yet the word of the Lord says that, that um, even these people, now remember who these people are. These are the people who said, um, God's too fearful. We can't talk to him ourselves. So they tell Moses, you go talk to him, and, and then you come back and tell us what he said. <laughs> okay, it's those people, and yet they still understand something when they hear this. Hear what? I'll send my angel before you. I'll get everything out of your way, but I will not go up in your midst unless I consume you. These people, when they heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. You see, what sounds like incredible news, and I have a feeling if we heard it in prayer over our own destiny, they recognized as bad news and mourned. Is you tracking with me? I'm going to read on verse 5. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stick-necked people, a bunch of stubborn butts, I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, listen, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Oreb. Okay? In other words, what? It's, it's a fast. Okay? They, what were they stripping themselves? What's ornaments? They were stripping self-focus, self-adornment. Okay? Okay? 
And I tell you, I just, I felt, you, you all know, you're probably tired of hearing this passage from me. This is, this whole chapter 33 is probably my life passage, along with the other 10 life passages I have. Um, but I'm, I'm seeing something different here that I've never seen. I, I really believe that that's, this is what the Lord is doing. Okay, he is a fire is going through his church, and I, I don't just mean this one. I mean the church, his church. Worldwide. I'm t- I was. I've been telling you lately. I've talked to to other pastors when I was in Ohio. I've been talking to local pastors, ministers in Colorado Springs, and think this is what the Lord's doing. He's sending um, a fire through. Okay, and, and COVID, I even believe the year of COVID, okay, God turns all things to good, was a year of fast on his church. We fasted religion <laughs> because those who can carry the glory are those who worship in spirit and truth. Religion doesn't really mingle there very well. Religion does not make a body of Christ um, any more capable of carrying this weight of glory that we're going to need where we're going to witness to his goodness, where the world's going, okay? And I believe that's what we're reading here. In other words, what are we reading? We're reading that it's bad news, no matter how effective God can clear out the enemies and God can make the way. He can do that, right? In fact, he just said he would. He just said, I'll send my angel. I'll do this for you. But no matter how good that is, it um, for anyone who has ears to hear or eyes to see, who has spiritual understanding, you still have to recognize that's terrible news because we cannot, we cannot witness to the greatness of a great God without his presence. There aren't enough angel armies <laughs> in all that God has created to witness to the greatness of God. We were not made to be temples for angels or angel armies. We were made to be temples for the Holy Spirit. And it is only that. I'm going to show you in the next passage, in fact, further, further down in this same chapter, that it is the Spirit of God being the temple of God that witnesses to him. Now, I'm thankful for the angel armies. Believe me, I pray they're dispatched over this church and my family. I do it all the time. They're ministering spirits that are made to execute the will of God for those that are with him, okay, and against those who are not. That's wonderful. But it will never witness to the only the presence of God going with us will witness. So go... Um, I'm just skipping a few verses. Go to verse 12. For time's sake, I'm going to keep reading here. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Who's he need to go with him? Just God, right? Okay, now listen. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. So these must be, these are previous words to Moses, okay? How important are God's previous words to you? They make for your future conversation with him, okay? Hang on to the words of God that he gives you. It's, the, it's your conversation with him. Verse 13, now therefore I pray, if I've found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I may, f- that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Okay, so now listen. What does he pray? Um, Tell me how. He says, show me your way. The distinction is very important. You know, and we've talked about this before. I got to do it anyway before we go on. God has ways, okay? Not just any way will, will be pleasing to God, will get you from here to there. Okay, and it's just so critical to put out there that um, God is more concerned with the journey than he is the, um, the destination. Okay, he's building something in his people. Why is that? When he's taking us to a place of promise, something he's spoken over us, he wants to make you into someone who can exist in that place, who can hold that place with strength and authority and power. 
Okay, he could have, you all have heard this before. He could have delivered them right into the promised land just like that. But there are other places in the word of God that said he made it so that, so that the journey was such that so when they got there, the wild beast, they, they would be strong enough, big enough with enough authority and power that the wild beasts wouldn't take it over, Right? I don't know where that is. That's somewhere in the word of God. But um, that's what's going on here. Show me your way. And now here it is. Here's why we're reading this. Verse 14. And he, and he said, this is God saying to Moses, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And then Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For, now here it is. For then, how will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? You see, it really was bad news. There wasn't enough of, of um, God's armies, God's ministering messengers or anything like that, that, that just would not be enough. Why? Because Moses has a heart that says, God, God I want you glorified, and that's not going to glorify you. That'll actually make the people think that we've done this by our flesh. <laughs> you follow me? How will that, unless your presence is what they see as different about us. In fact, let me read that again. I'm going to start verse 16 again. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? Grace really means power. I don't know if you guys know that. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. You got it? How are they separate? Do you know that um, pagan religions, even the most evil ones, the worship, idolatry, they have the ability to push angel forces into action? Did you know that? You've heard of demons, right? <laughs> they have angel armies. The dark side has angel armies. What makes us separate? The angel armies of the courts of heaven? <laughs> the presence of God. How else will they know that we are the carriers of the kingdom, that we're, we're kingdom people? King, we are citizens of the kingdom of the king unless it is the presence of God, unless it is what? The anointing, the heavy weight of his presence is what makes us different. Now, um, I'm going to cough. Sorry about that. Now, um, I want to bring to your attention, um, if we don't get our eyes on Jesus, we, we miss the point. No matter what we study and we should go home. So um, I want to put Jesus out there. Okay, now track with me. We're not even going to go read it because you guys are so good, you know the story. Jesus rose from the dead and he began to, um, to, to visit, to appear to his disciples to accomplish some things. First of all, to be with them, right? Let's just establish he loved them. That was the first thing he wanted to accomplish. I'm alive and I'm with you, right? Okay, but what else did he want to accomplish? He shows up and he begins to give them mission, right? Commission. He commissions them. He gives the mission. And, um, and what is that? Say it. Go into all the world. Oh, yeah, 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 that's the specifics of the mission. Be witness to me. Go into all the world, right? Um, that's too coded. Let me just put it out there. That's authority, right? In other words, the courts of heaven, the, the will of the Father, the will of the courts of heaven is this mission, and he says, I give that to you. In other words, what? I authorize you, Right? In this mission, authority. Now, you all know that what he says next is wait. Well, now hold on a second. How does that make sense? Jesus comes and says, I authorize you with this mission. The next words out of his mouth are, but, but don't go. Oh, you have all the authority. All the authority in heaven and earth have been given to me because I, Jesus says, because I have submitted myself that much. And it is the Holy Spirit's job, the word of God says, to take of what is mine and give it to you. Oh, come on, somebody say hallelujah. It's the Holy Spirit's job 
to take of what is Jesus, which is all authority in heaven and earth, and give it to you. The Word of God says that's the Holy Spirit's job. <laughs> Thank you. Now I don't even remember what I'm saying. <laughs> And he says, I give you what? Commission from the courts of heaven. The word of the king is, I give you the authority to do it now. And then he says, oh, no, 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 don't go yet. Wait. <laughs> Why? Because authority's not enough. How did Jesus send the 12 and then either the 70 or the 72? How did he send them? Two by two, two with? Power and authority. You need both. What's the power? It's this whole series we're in, okay? Now, now don't reduce this. Don't do something crazy. Uh, um, the anointing is not just power. It's not spiritual gifts. The anointing is the weighty presence of God on the chosen people, period. The anointing is a person. It's the Holy Spirit who takes of what is Jesus's and gives it to you. Okay, that's anointing. But we, we need that weight of glory. He's making us into a bride who can have, who can hold greater and greater weights because we're going to need it. You know, we're, we're in a culture anymore here in America um, where we look at the program of the church. <laughs> you tracking with me? If we have the right teaching program, then we will really start to reach the community. That'll really let them know if we have the best theology and a great structured program that will teach it to them, then the kingdom of God will advance and, um, and we'll be participating in the movement of the Holy Spirit, right? No. Do you know what he says? He says things like, do you know how they'll know and it will be witness of me? The way you love each other. It's a really complicated... His ways are really complicated. <laughs> love each other and they'll know me. Um, we seek the right service. Do you know that church is... Um, not this one. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> just so you know. But there are churches that literally have meetings to decide how are we going to structure the service, okay? So like, um, like boy, um, we seem to be having an impact in our numbers. I wonder if teaching for an hour is really chasing people off. Maybe we should reduce it to a half an hour. I think if we change to this kind of music and get a fog machine then we'll really start attracting like people into... They do... This is a true thing. I've got somebody in this church who served in kind of the worship team part of things and I'm purposely keeping them anonymous. And he would tell me that, you know what the pastor would do? They would pray in the back and he would go... He would say to the worship team, go out there and get them worked up. <laughs> this is true stuff. As if the idea being that the program of the church is what would be required to witness to the world and, and build the kingdom. We're really helping with God's will now. <laughs> we are helpers, God. And he says, no, you're not. You're the carriers of my kingdom. And the only thing that's going to get it done is my presence upon. Okay, that's the warm-up. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. See, because why did I do that? <clears throat> Here's the thing. If it's only the weighty presence of God upon, releasing his ability, an inferior kingdom that is not of this place, that is going to witness to his greatness, then we'd better be getting a handle on what makes the Holy Spirit of God feel welcome. <laughs> what brings, what, what is um, an atmosphere, first of all, corporately in this church, but an atmosphere in our own heart that makes the Holy Spirit come upon and remain And what does the opposite? What chases off the Spirit? You know, the Word of God tells us a lot about that. We don't have to wonder. 
Um, I'm going to start reading here in Ephesians 3. If I haven't told you already, and I believe um, starting verse 4, okay? It starts with for this reason. Um, the for this reason is the previous chapters. I always like to call it the winning lottery ticket that he put on the church. In other words, the anointing, this weight of presence. He's writing to a church, the church of Ephesus, that really kind of has a lot of things together very well. And he's writing about all the benefits, all the grace, all the favor of the presence of God being on in the chosen people. And then he says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's that? For this reason, this is my prayer. You got it? Okay, and then he says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So, for that reason, for the reason that we get everything, because of Jesus, for that reason, his prayer is that you would be granted what? The, um, according to, like, so to what measure? According to the riches of his glory. To that measure that we'd be strengthened with might, that's a power word, in case you didn't recognize it, that you'd be strengthened with power. Do you know that you already have authority? How much? All of it. Now, I want to tell you that anointing, power, I don't even want to give you the chance to get the wrong answer. You don't have all of it. <laughs> it's the word of God is clear that anointing, that, that power being strengthened with might is by measure. And we were reading about that when we read the story of Moses, okay? He's, that's why God was going to withhold his presence. He was going to send armies or the angel of the Lord to, to make the way, but he was going to withhold the weight of presence so that what? So they wouldn't be consumed. Are you tracking? In other words, he's making you individually, us corporately, the bride of Christ, corporately into those who, who can hold a greater weight without being consumed. It is by measure. The measure he wants to give is here according to the riches of his glory. Glory means weight. According to the fullness, the riches of his weight upon, of ability on the church. And we're going to need it. For what? To be strengthened with might. And I want you to notice in the inner man. Not numbers or butts in the seat or, or um, large large data figures, um, um, effective programs. Those are all great. Those are all things that position us for the presence of God. But this is talking about power in the inner man. Let's don't confuse it. That Christ may, now watch this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, what grounds us? That's it. Nothing else grounds you. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ <coughs> which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. For this reason, he wants to pray that <laughs> over the church. Do you know that um, to, the, to the degree that you know the love of Christ, that's how much glory you can carry? <laughs> In other words, let me say that another way. Um, so let me see. Where you're unhealthy, to the degree that you don't know the love of Christ, the places of you that don't know it, that is where you lack ability to carry any anointing, any, ability, any glory of God. Do you know that um, upheaval, whether it's corporate upheaval, 
or whether it's internal upheaval is indication of the place of the barriers to know the love of Christ and, and thus be capable of carrying the anointing. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do... See, it got quiet in here. We have to read verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's the end of his prayer. Amen. (laughs) Thank God he can do exceedingly abundantly above what you think he can. Because how many of you know you got a lot of unhealth? That, That... You've got a lot of upheaval. That is the place of barrier that, that you know what that is? That's the, uh, that's the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Just the number of categories where we can be, <laughs> where we can have issues can be a little depressing. Unless you know that he can do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask. It didn't say don't ask. It just said he can do above what you can ask. Go ahead and ask. <laughs> in fact, that's where we're going. I'm going to keep reading. You know, in the original letters, there were no chapter breaks. Um, we added those. So I'm, I'm moving straight forward in chapter 4, and it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. You see, he considered himself the prisoner of the Lord. Beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. What is worthy of the calling? Now, wait a second. All of a sudden, did, um, did the Holy Spirit get confused in his inspiration to Paul, and he's turning it into a works theology? Like, all of a sudden, now we've got to perform something to be the place of anointing and the kind of power that witnesses to God. What is worthy of the calling? Verse 2, I'm going to read on. We're going to answer that. Verse 2, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. You see, that's the opposite of upheaval, of emotional upset. It's bearing with each other, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I just want to tell you something. Where you see peace, where you see unity... That is only possible by the Holy Spirit of God. It's the evidence of the presence. We had a room this, uh, I think this last week. I've been so busy I'm losing track of time frames. But um, 27 leaders in a room in absolute unity. I'm pretty sure that's the first time that's ever happened in history anywhere. You can't gather 27 Christians of, of any type that can completely agree and be in the spirit of unity. It's unbelievable. And it's evidence of the spirit. Now watch this. He goes on and says, There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You see, what's he doing here? Um, Unity, unity of the Spirit. Now watch this. Do you know the Word of God says you know a tree by its fruit? And the whole point of that parable um, is that um, it basically says a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. It also says that a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So I just want to put out there, when you see division, when you see striving, when you see uh, conflict, you are seeing bad trees producing fruit. It's another spirit. Here we just read, just right here we just read, um, one body, one spirit that Jesus fills his church with. When you see um, conflict between the, in the spiritual atmosphere, you are seeing, contrary to what's written here, what is worthy of the calling, okay, you're seeing conflict in spirit. Am I doing okay? 
Okay, now, now watch this. I'm going to read on verse 7. But to each one of us, um, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure, did you hear that? Of Christ's gift. I want you to notice that the word gift is singular. What is Christ's gift? Huh? Salvation? A lot of you said salvation, and that's good. I'm going to tell you, I don't think that's what it's being talked about here because <coughs> when you see what this chapter is and what we're talking about here, it's talking about a very particular gift. You said it, the Holy Spirit. Okay, the gift, but this is a chapter on power, anointing the measure of the weight of glory that grants the ability to witness and power with all that authority we already have because, because we've been given the commission and now we are in the process of coming into greater measure because this whole chapter begins to talk about, about the structure of the church and how the flow of anointing runs through that authority structure of the church so that we're witnessing with all power and effectiveness or else how will the people know that we're separate? How will they know that we've found grace in his sight unless it's by his might? Okay, now we're going to have the real word. I'm serious. <laughs> um, so now watch this. It feels like a subject change, but I just want to tell you that when we go from chapter 3 to chapter 4, we did not change the subject. Okay, say that to the person next to you. We didn't change the subject. <laughs> okay all right we're still talking about christ dwelling in your hearts grounded in love okay now watch this is where it gets crazy this is where we we read in the word of god and we think we think we're reading this unrelated listing do this and do this and and don't do this and don't do this and do this now i'm going to show you that it's not that you have to have the context, and it's not even a list. It's like, say, it's like it, seven different ways of saying the, exactly the same thing. Watch this. Verse 25 says, Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry. Sounds like a different thing, doesn't it? I'm going to show you it's not. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now watch this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to tear this apart a little. Therefore, what? Because we want the measure of Christ's gift to be increased, right? And so, therefore, put away lying. Now I'm going to tell you that's a bad translation. That word lying, it's a very passive, it's like an unintentional. It really means... Um, um, it's, it's an unintentional falsehood. It's an operating from the wrong spirit, or I'm going to show you in this passage, it's going to show us, from a woundedness that causes us to lie. <laughs> Not because we want to deceive, because that word is pseudos. It comes from the word pseudomai, which is actually an active, intentional deceiving. So when it says put away lying, it's saying put away from yourself the accidental deceiving that you do. In other words, just being off course from the unity of the Spirit, which is what this passage is about, so that you can be in the unity of the Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit can be welcome here and we have all of His power to fulfill all of that commission. Put away lying. Put away your accidental falseness. <laughs> okay? Now watch this. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. That word should probably be translated truly. That word truth is, is a tense where it's, it really should say, let each one of you speak truly with his neighbor. From a spirit of truth, with, with spiritual understanding, and in the context of this passage, with a unity that allows for the flow of truth. Do you know it's truth that sets you free? How do we know that? Because <laughs> the Word of God tells us that it's truth that sets us free. 
It would be pretty important to put away lying, the accidental deception that can flow. Now watch this. It, it only gets better. For we are members of one another. Okay, now watch this. Be angry. Isn't it funny? It says that. Be angry. <laughs> I want to tell you, it's, um, it's something that's hard to translate because of the order of the words when you look at it. And what it's really saying is, you will be angry. That's really what it's saying. Why? Because we've not been perfected yet. We haven't seen him as he truly is, and so therefore we haven't been perfected. Anger is a secondary. I'm going to tell you actually what anger is. I heard somebody say this um, in this last week. Um, anger is the bodyguard of hurt. It's the bo- anger is what guards your woundedness to keep your unhealth intact. <laughs> I don't know who that was. Oh, you can, now I know who it was. <laughs> I'll let you know something about that. Yeah, so do I. <clears throat> Be angry, and now watch this, and do not sin. Now, how do you do that? Now, here, watch. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Do you know what that expression means? That means um, you better deal with the anger, because otherwise, the other places, the Word of God talks about a root of bitterness. I'll tell you what that is. Bitterness is anger matured. <laughs> anger matured into a toxic poison. The Word of God says a root of bitterness will defile many. It's the opposite of the unity of the Spirit in a place. When you start to see upheaval, whether corporately or put on your seatbelt, we're about to talk about it in your own heart. You already know that, apparently. Um, it's bitterness that defiles either much inside you or many corporately when you start to see crazy things happening. Divisions and strivings. How much of the Word of God talks about that? It's a root of bitterness. It's anger mature. And that's what this is talking about. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't sleep. The, don't Harbor it. <laughs> Don't hold it. Anger is merely a red flag where you better start inviting the Lord in that place. Because watch this. Verse 27, nor give place to the devil. Now watch this. Devil, you know there are different words used for the enemy. In the word of God, this one is diabolos. You know what that means? False accuser. That's what it means. Don't give place to the false accuser. Well, how would you give place to the false accuser? It begins with anger, matures. You know, you go to bed on your wrath. It's allowed time to fester and grow. It matures into a root of bitterness. And don't forget the context. We're speaking about let lying pass away. Let accidental, unintentional, wound-based lying that causes divisions among you, let that be put away, okay? Make sure you speak truly with your neighbor Or what does this passage tell us? It gives place to the false accuser. Doesn't that passage make sense now? The false accuser can be alive and well in a place where there's false accusation because there are thriving roots of bitterness. There's unhealed wounds. There's rampant unhealth that makes people speak, let's just say, less than truly. Or we give place to the devil. You know, in the very beginning in the garden, the only thing he had was to stir false accusation. His first false accusation was against God. And then he thought, man, I could really seal the deal if I could get you all to be, to be against each other and have you fal- falsely accusing each other of things, exaggerating each other's problems, exaggerating the reality. This is talking, you know, God is very practical. We often think of God as not practical. God is the most practical of anyone you've ever known. <laughs> when he means he wants you, when he says he wants you to have inner healing, he means very practically speaking, he wants you to have inner healing. When he says put away lying, he means put away lying. <laughs> Go get healing so you can become someone who tells the truth. 
or we give place to the devil. Do you know that un, unattended to, undone issues look for a place to cause upheaval and division? It's in the Word of God, and science has proved it now. <laughs> Do you know nowhere in the Scriptures does it suggest that you're capable not to get angry or not be angry? I never suggest that. It's just upheaval. Now listen, is the place anger. When these red flags arise, when you feel division within you, the need to strike out, the need to lash, the need to be judgmental or, or pick apart another in the body of Christ or the church itself or your heathen neighbor. It's merely red flag that, uh-oh, I've got a place that needs healing. Sorry, Judy, if, if there are any eyes or ears in this place, you're about to get a flood of people <laughs> are headed straight to living water ministry <laughs> because they do this with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to tell you a trick before we begin wrapping up here pretty soon. Um, the truth sets you free. Um, God supplies truth. Did you know that? Um, he has a name. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you know that truth applied on another I'm still green. Truth applied on another fails to be truth. Now watch this. This is what we do. The Lord gives us the truth. And we, we use it on somebody else. Um, it's so important to recognize that the truth God gives you is for you. Here's another way. Let me read it again. It's crooked on my paper. Truth only holds the power for freedom when it's acting on you. Did you follow that? It sets you free when it's acting on you. That's truth that sets you free. Actually, um, go to verse 28, and then we're going to swirl back here. Verse 28 goes on and says, Let him who stole steal no longer. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't have time to teach on that. But I just want to put out there that um, everything that you read in the scripture, it, um, it has this physical face to it, but I dare you to meditate on that um, in, term, in a spiritual sense. I dare you. Double dog. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So I'm just going to, let that be what it is. I dare you to meditate on that from a spiritual sense of stealing, taking what God, I guess I can't help myself a little bit, taking what God has is not offering you, is not for you, and yet you want to steal it, you want to take it as yours, okay? Rather than just, just being honest with working with your hands that you may have something actual to give that is of your ministry, your calling, your gifts, your activities, from the anointing of God for you. Okay? Verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word, notice we haven't changed the subject, proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. That word corrupt means worthless, literally. Let no worthless or corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what's necessary for edification. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. A lot of worthlessness can come out of the mouth. A lot of corrupt that is not for edification, but rather for stealing. Right? And you know, church, we're just doing this because these, this is about making the Holy Spirit welcome. 
because we're going places. He can do beyond what you can think or ask. He want, if invited in the deep place, then he can do beyond anything you think to make you a vessel for all the power that you need to go along with that authority that you have, right? Now here, I got to read this. Just in case you think I'm stretching that last part, I think this is the last verse I'm going to read. That it may impart grace to the hearers in verse 30 and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So the entire time we've been reading this passage, we've been reading how to not grieve the Holy Spirit of God so that we can become a people where he can freely pour out upon us because he's not grieved. Because just like Jesus' baptism, we're a place where the Spirit can come upon and remain. Okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to start wrapping. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to do something right here today. But to get there, um, I just need to say this. Do you know that you can't burn a house down and have the sofa still sitting there? Like, wow, it is amazing. It burned right around the sofa. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's my favorite sofa. Um, so wh- what am I saying? The fire of God is sweeping through the church right now. In other words, God is taking out anything that does not pass through the fire because his bride's going to be ready for what's coming. <laughs> he is winnowing. The, um, there is a strong wind blowing the fire. It's getting hotter. And um, it, it hurts in the beginning. <laughs> um, but the fruit of that what remains, the, the purification that remains that can hold the power of God makes it all worth it. Anybody going through hard stuff? <laughs> Anybody not? No, I don't. I wouldn't raise your hand. You'd probably get beat up in here. <laughs> Kick him out. <laughs> it's the fire of God. Um, don't be surprised by it. Don't think it a strange thing if many trials are coming upon you <laughs> because God's, God's doing something. Now, here, here's the, the couch is you. I don't know if I pointed that out. Um, you are the couch in the analogy. Um, <laughs> picture yourself a couch. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. That's stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> the fire of God is going through the church, and here, here's what I'm pointing out with that an- analogy. That means it is touching your life. I know it is. Um, it's, so if he's doing it corporately, it means he's also doing it with, with you, okay? He is, in other words, um, you know, let's do this. In the nation of Israel, when the fire would come through in order to purify so they could still be the glory holders, literally people would be plucked out, okay? He's still doing that in his church, the daughter of Israel, Okay? But now we've got, to t- we've got to keep peeling the onion. He's also, you are also the body of Christ, right? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So as his fire is coming through, if this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in preparation, it means there, um, that's, this is where you're the couch. Um, <laughs> if it's coming through here, it's not going to leave you untouched. Okay, in other words, I hope this to put this out there as both an encouragement and in just a minute, we're also going to invite the Holy Spirit to do something. It should be an encouragement. It means he's purifying you for, (coughs) excuse me, a greater weight of anointing. Anybody want that? A greater weight of power so that you can actually witness to his greatness. That's what he's doing. Unfortunately, well, um, no. Let's say, fortunately, <laughs> that means that we all have some flesh. There's going to be, um, there already is, and there's going to be more smell of burning flesh in the air. Some burning, it is the burning, it is the fire of God, it is the purification that burns out 
what we have of the flesh that makes us vessels that can receive more. More, Lord. More, Lord. More power. More power. Um, Lord, I'm kind of disappointed with how (laughs) I'm representing you. More, Lord. More power. And he goes, okay, I got some fire for you. (laughs) More, Lord. Okay, we're going to have to burn some things. The Jebusites, the Perizzites, the Goofballites, it's all got to be burned. So the first thing I want to do is encourage you. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I could go around and have a conversation with each of you and say, how's it going? What's going on in your life? And you'd say, well, I got some pretty hard stuff going on. And I would go, I knew that. <laughs> How do I know that? You know, you can know that about the person. I'm not claiming some prophetic thing. I'm saying you can know that about the person next to you. We can know that because that's what God's doing right now. He's preparing his bride for a greater weight of glory. That means fire. We have people specifically <laughs> praying over this church that are praying for a mighty strong wind. Now, you guys know what your mountain people You know what happens when you have fire and wind? (laughs) Things Things get rearranged. Things get burned out. But it's good news. Is it good news? I'm not telling you to enjoy the pain. (laughs) I'm just saying, encourage yourself in the Lord. Be encouraged. Because it's not a whoops. It's not because he fell asleep. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. It's because he's nuts about you. And he wants you to have all the power, all the destiny of the authority of your commission. He doesn't want you to miss any of it. But I'll tell you this. Those that cooperate with the fire are going to have a sweet fruit of anointing and power to move into where we're going. Those that don't cooperate, we have to say this, those that don't cooperate with the fire, the word of God is very clear, get consumed. That's why um, I've gone full circle. I guess I can't help myself. When they said, oh, this is bad news, the presence of the Lord is not going, and why did he say he wasn't going? Because his, that weight of his presence would consume them. Well, what did they do? How did it all work out? They had a fast. Right? They stripped off their, their, self, um, their self-focus. They stripped off their self... Um, why can't I think of the word? It's here in my notes. Self-adornment. The raising of self. And humbled themselves into a fast. And then God said, my presence will go with you. Thank you, Lord. Hold on to pride, and that's consuming. Invite God into the the place of your upheaval, and that's healing. That's the healing that allows you to stop speaking falsely, to love well. You see, truth sets you free. Truth sets you free to love well. The absence of truth... The focus on self makes it so you can't love anybody well. In other words, he can't bless that. He can't put his power on that. I think it was two weeks ago. No, I think it would just be last week. So that's why there are many who are weak and sick among you. Why? They weren't discerning the body of Christ. You remember this? That's the unity of the Spirit. That's the humility that we're all in this together. It's time we don't have weak and sick among us and some that are spiritually sleeping. I better stop. (laughs) Um, Would you all like to invite the Holy Spirit now? to reveal and begin to work right now in a place of upheaval that you're having so that the the healing touch can be available? Okay.
Max wants to, you want to. No, <laughs> I know. I have a feeling if um, someone was posing that to me right now, kind of be going, mm, I don't know. <laughs> that fire sounds hot. <clears throat> okay, then I'm just going to, I'm not sure how we're going to do this. I'm just, I'm going to lead you through this then for anyone who wants to participate. Come, Holy Spirit. We invite you right now. We invite you today. We say, we say, blow the wind. Blow the wind, Lord. Fan the fire. We give you permission to pass us through the fire. We're asking you to burn out anything that's occupying the space for your glory. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, we're just, we are going to leave you a space, Holy Spirit of the living God, to speak to us, to each one, a place that you want to burn up. you Jesus and if you just keep your eyes closed for a moment and would you just shoot up a quick hand if you were someone that he identified something for you okay awesome awesome stay right there now so what we're going to do now we're just going to repent okay I'm going to begin that prayer and then and then you just uh, you, I'm going to give you space to continue that Lord, we repent. In other words, we return to you, the place of grace. We're sorry. We lay it down and we return to your graceful touch as your beloved son, your beloved daughter. Stay right there now. <clears throat> now, if you so choose, join just join into this prayer with me in your heart. Lord, we hand this out to you. We just give you, we give you this thing for your fire to burn it. We give you permission to completely burn it up. We're asking you to wipe it out of us to make space for you. And I continue to pray, Lord, for each one that um, in this season moving forward that you would continue to teach them about that, that your, your revelation would be there for them in that place, this thing that is burning out of their life, this pride, this selfishness, this whatever it is that's contrary to you, Father, that's taken up your space, the space for your glory, the space for your power, that you would be teaching them about that in the authority of your name, Jesus, that you, that you would be um, releasing revelation and releasing understanding 
in the name of Jesus. And finally, Lord, I ask that everyone in this place, everyone that this, this work that you're doing is upon them, I'm asking that you fill them with the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. You know, your word says, be filled, keep on being filled. Keep on being, be, um, keep on being filled. And so I say again, in the name of Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The final thing I pray, Lord, is that you would seal this work, that you it cannot be touched by the evil one. I pray your protection, your growth, and your watering upon every seed that's just been planted and every mighty work that you've just accomplished by the authority where I'm seated with you in the courts of heaven by that authority. We make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.